Welcome to Come Follow Me with Bree, episode 82, Our Red Sea. Hello. I hope you guys all had an amazing conference weekend. I remember when I was young and <laughs> not even necessarily young, young, but even as a young adult, a young married adult, I didn't always super look forward to conference because I don't know, I guess I just didn't really see how amazing it was. But as I've gotten older, I realize, and and actually there was a talk. I can't even remember now at this point because I haven't watched it more than once, but there was a talk talking about the awe and wonder that we should feel when we think and talk about the gospel. And that is how I feel when I listen to general conference is just awe and wonder. And, and that's how I feel when I read the scriptures that this all is just one big perfect plan that fits together that, that we have living prophets and apostles and anyway, all the good stuff. And so I hope you had an amazing weekend. I hope that you are instilling in your children a love and appreciation and and a sense of wonder for what we have access to. It's just amazing. All right. So this week we are going to talk about Exodus 14 primarily. This is the miraculous point at which the Lord delivers the Hebrews by empowering Moses to part the Red Sea. Their traveling in the wilderness is guided by the Lord in the form of a pillar of a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night to give them light so that they could be guided and travel both day and night. The The beauty of this imagery can give us a visual to hold on to for our lives. Although we don't see the Lord in the form of a, a cloud or a pillar of fire leading us, he is there just as real, just as accessible, as long as we are careful and watchful over the condition of our hearts. So I'm just going to read this this portion, and this actually is in technically in the chapters from last week, but it leads perfectly into our topic for this week. So Exodus 13, verses 21 through 22. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light to go by day and by night. And he took not away the pillar of cloud by day, nor the pillar of fire by night from before the people. Isn't that beautiful? Can you think about that in application to you? That the Lord takes not the pillar of the cloud by day, nor the pillar of fire by night, and he is always before you? The Lord instructs Moses to camp against the Red Sea because he knows that Pharaoh will think that they are trapped and that he'll he'll have his his heart will be hardened and he'll pursue them. I wonder how many of the Israelites were a little nervous about this command. Did they think they probably did, I would think, about the fact that logically if you camp against the Red Sea you're trapped? A little later in this chapter, we get to hear some of the, the murmuring against Moses as the Egyptians got closer, and they said things like, Hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? Didn't we tell you this in Egypt, that it would be better to continue in slavery than die here in the wilderness? So what I want you to think about is what instructions do we get now from the Lord that make us feel like we are backing ourselves against a wall, whether that be physically, potentially, but I think more likely we would be thinking about that socially, leaving ourselves seemingly vulnerable to attacks on in our social standing. And I think that you would, you and I would be kidding ourselves if, if we didn't think that sticking with the, the morals that our moral lawgiver, our Father in heaven, the Lord Jesus Christ has given, hasn't ever put us in an awkward situation if we were to actually say what we believe. 
I I would be lying if I didn't say I've, I've never sugarcoated what the Lord has to say on a topic in order to not appear um, intolerant or or whatever, one of those words. And I'm pretty sure you have felt that way as well. There are other ways that we can feel like doing what the Lord asked us to do backs us up against the wall. Like I'm sure some of these missionaries that are leaving on leaving on missions, I'm sure sometimes they feel as though they're limiting their choices. They're feeling they're feeling trapped because they might lose a scholarship or or whatever. Or or like <laughs> somebody, one of those I can't remember who said anything yet because I just barely listened to it. But one of those uh, talks talked about how he left a girl that he really liked and one of his friends married her. So you're leaving on a mission and you're leaving a girl that you really like or a boy that you really like and you feel like they might not be back. So my point being is there's all kinds of ways that following the commands of the Lord can make us feel as though we're trapped and that we don't have anywhere to go from there and that bad things could happen to us because we're following the Lord's command. And just a quick reminder, just because this story ends with with the safety, the physical safety of these Israelites, sometimes following the Lord's command as a Christian hasn't ended so well. But that doesn't mean that those people, those martyrs, shouldn't have followed the Lord's command. We have the women and children that were thrown into the fire in the Book of Mormon, and the Lord stayed the hand of, was it Ammon and Amulek, I think? telling them that they they shouldn't stop it that he wants to he wanted to receive those saints up into himself and so it's important to remember that sometimes we have stories like this that ends up how we you know we want them to end we want them to be safe and then sometimes there are plenty of stories also where people have really bad hard things happen to them because they are following the Lord's command and that's part of being a follower of Jesus Christ is that that we are willing to sacrifice and do whatever needs to happen and it doesn't necessarily mean our physical safety is guaranteed. Anyway, sorry, I'm kind of getting off on a different topic, but let's go back to what we were talking about. What instructions do we get now from the Lord that makes us feel like we are backing ourselves against a wall? And while backed up against that wall, we feel the attacks of the adversary and look to the future if we follow the Lord's command and we see those devastating attacks coming and things that could happen either socially or emotionally or for people in some parts of the world and perhaps for us in the future, actual physical ramifications for following the Lord's command. So probably for a lot of us listening now, the most common one is is social ramifications. So when we have these situations come up where we have the policy and doctrine of the church kind of at odds with how the world is thinking. Do we complain against our our prophet and apostles saying that what we are asked to stand for is too offensive for the world? Do we cry in fear that we are going to be called bigots or sexist or intolerant or uninclusive or not Christ-like? Do we complain that we are going to be portrayed as outdated or judged as foolish? Or if the command has something more to do with how doctrine or commands tell us that we should deal with a trial in our life and we feel as though actually following that doctrine is is putting us, is pinning us into a hole that we don't want to be in, is trapping us in some way rather than setting us free. Do we erroneously think that the trial that we are experiencing is too much for the atonement of Jesus Christ and trapping ourselves in that way or is too much for him to overcome? President Nelson in this general conference gave us five actions to focus on and 
All of them are amazing and important. So one, stay on the covenant path. Two, focus on daily repentance and faith. Number three, learn more about God. Number four, seek and expect miracles. Number five, end conflict in your personal life. Remember that we talked a couple of weeks ago about the Egyptians often metaphorically representing the kingdom of the devil. Keep that in mind as we talk about how this story applies and can be uh, related to us. When the Israelites were complaining against Moses that he had trapped them against the Red Sea and he'd brought them out of the wilderness to die and convinced them to do foolish things, even with a pillar of literal fire and a cloud guiding them, does it sound like they believed that the Lord could do all things, that he had all things under control? It reminded me of the story at the very beginning of 1 Nephi in chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, as he uses this particular story about the, the life and journey of Moses to remind his brothers that the Lord can do all things. He says, let us be faithful in keeping the commandments of the Lord. For behold, he is mightier than all the earth. And why not mightier than Laban and his 50, yea, or even his tens of thousands? Therefore, let us go up, let us be strong like unto Moses, for he truly spake unto the waters of the Red Sea, and they divided hither and thither, and our fathers came through out of captivity on dry ground, and the armies of Pharaoh did follow and were drowned in the waters of the Red Sea. Now behold, ye know that this is true, and ye also know that an angel hath spoken unto you. Wherefore can ye doubt? Let us go up. The Lord is able to deliver us, even as our fathers, and to destroy Laban, even as the Egyptians. Now. The battles that we deal with typically in our world today are less of a physical situation between good and evil and have moved to an even more dangerous spiritual battlefield. But the principle is the same. When we read the story of Laman and Lemuel or the story of the Israelites doubting Moses, it seems so obvious, right? How foolish is it that they've seen such amazing, great, miraculous things to think that the armies of Pharaoh or the men of Laban could possibly overrule and overpower the will of God? It is the same. It is the same for you and for me when we are tempted to be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, when we fear men more than God, when we think that standing up for the gospel of Jesus Christ has consequences that are too large for our Lord to handle, that are too large to be worth it. The adversary is absolutely delighted when we think that we are backed up against a sea with nowhere to go. When we think that there is no solution but to back down or to run away or to join the crowd because we feel like there's no other option. When in reality, the Red Sea has been parted, there is a path provided for us that will give us infinitely more safety than any staying and being enslaved by the Egyptians could ever have provided. I'm going to say it again. The adversary is delighted when we think that we are backed up against the sea with nowhere to go. When the Israelites were camped along the banks of the Red Sea, clearly they had a moment where they thought that they were trapped, not knowing or comprehending or understanding that the Lord had a clear, miraculous, and powerful way to not only deliver them, but also to decimate their adversary. The primary error in the way that the Israelites were thinking is that they actually thought that they were trapped, when in fact, in reality, the Lord had it all entirely and completely under control with a plan so much grander and so direct and simple that they couldn't even begin to imagine what the solution could possibly be as the Egyptians descended upon them. Even after all they had seen, we all have different battles with the adversary, different temptations, different weaknesses and challenges that we're trying to overcome. And although your battles are going to look different from my battles, 
on the outside. No matter what those trials are, the solution is always the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is the parting of the Red Sea. Some trials might resolve the way that we would like them to, and some trials might seem to be without end in sight. Some trials might be physical, some might be emotional, some might be caused by our own weakness, some might be caused by the weakness or sin of others. No matter what your trials are, all these things are spiritual. And because they are all spiritual, the goal of Satan is to use whatever your trial is to destroy you spiritually, to make you think that you are trapped. So every single time, Without exception, the solution is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is the parting of the Red Sea. That is your miracle. That is how you are delivered. The Israelites not only walked through the parting of the Red Sea, but walked on firm, dry ground. President Nelson just reminded us that we are not trapped. The path, the miracle of the gospel of Jesus Christ provides us a covenant path. That covenant path is dry and firm and safe. As we repent daily, we learn and gain a personal relationship with our Heavenly Father. As we have faith, as we seek and expect miracles, and as we end conflicts in our personal life, we will make it through safely. It might not look exactly how we think it should, but we will make it through safely if we are staying firmly on the covenant path and doing those things that President Nelson has asked us to do. As Satan tries to follow us, just as the armies of Pharaoh followed the Israelites, as he tries to follow us down our covenant path, finding new ways to tempt us as we do better and better, as we go to the temple, as we try harder to read our scriptures, he finds new ways to try and follow us, to try and overtake us. But if we press forward, he will not have any shot at overtaking us, and ultimately, he will be completely destroyed. The Lord reminds us in Isaiah chapter 31 verse 4 that the adversary is no match for his power. For thus hath the Lord spoken unto me, like as the lion and the young lion roaring on his prey when a multitude of shepherds is called forth against him, he will not be afraid of their voice, nor abase himself for the noise of them. So shall the Lord of hosts come down to fight for Mount Zion. One of the promises that President Nelson gave to us after he issued his list of actions that we should take is that we can be free from fear. What can being free from fear mean in our lives? The word from to me implies that fear has the capacity to trap us, to keep us from action, to keep us from pressing forward on that covenant path, from doing those things that the Lord has asked us to do. The Lord is so patient with these Israelites, giving them chance after chance to have faith in his omniscient power over any situation. And yet that fear still made them feel as though they were trapped, even though they weren't. Exodus chapter 14, verse 14, Moses says, The Lord shall fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. And man, did the Lord fight for his people. He blocked the Egyptians as a pillar of fire, giving the Israelites time to gather their things and get a head start into the Red Sea. And then in all of their pride and arrogance and thirst for blood, which is the same way Satan feels about us, they followed them through the path created by a God who was obviously far more powerful than they were. The Egyptians, as we know, were buried in the Red Sea as they pursued the Israelites. They never stood a chance against the Lord, and neither does Satan. The Israelites were the Lord's covenant people. They were protected by the Lord. They were given a path to safety by the Lord. Are we the Lord's covenant people? What makes us the Lord's covenant people? It is if we are doing the things that President Nelson has outlined. 
Notice that the first action is staying on the covenant path, but the second action is daily repentance, which implies something that I hope you already know. The Lord is so patient with us, just as he was patient with the Israelites and their wobbly faith. As we repent, which implies that we're going to make mistakes, we still qualify as the Lord's covenant people. As we do these two things, we learn about our Father and His Son, Jesus Christ, and their nature, and gain a deep personal relationship with them. And as we do those things, it naturally follows that we will seek and expect miracles. Just as it was foolish for the Israelites to ever doubt the power of the Lord in comparison to the Egyptians, it is absolute foolishness that we would ever doubt that the Lord doesn't have our back as covenant people. I hope for myself and for you that we can do even better than the Israelites. Can we take Moses' command right now to hold our peace, to calm down, to be still and know that he is God? Because we know that the Lord will fight our battles as we follow his command. Even commands that seem to put us in situations that feel more difficult at the time, that don't feel like the easy way. Based on what the Israelites say in this chapter, it's apparent that there were times back in Egypt and then on their journey that they felt it would have been easier to stay in bondage to the Egyptians. It feels like that sometimes, huh? Like like staying where we are spiritually, even though it's hard, it feels easier and safer than changing, than doing what the Lord has asked. The Savior parted your Red Sea when he voluntarily suffered, bled, died for our sins, and rose from the dead on the third day. President Nelson has just reminded us that we are not trapped. Satan is delighted when we don't see the parted water behind us, the firm, dry, safe land prepared for our escape. As President Nelson said, Satan delights in your misery, so cut it short. I testify that we have a living prophet here on the earth today pleading with us to take the escape heroically provided by our Savior. President Russell M. Nelson is our prophet, and he is telling us where to go. And if we choose to believe that we are trapped, if we choose to not turn around and see that an escape is provided for us, there will come a time that we will wonder why we were so foolish, why we didn't just do as he asked. Why didn't we just turn around and see that there was safety? Have the faith necessary to just hope that there was safety behind you. I'll end with President Nelson's words. With all the pleadings of my heart, I urge you to get on the covenant path and stay there. Experience the joy of repenting daily. Learn about God and how he works. Seek and expect miracles. Strive to end conflict in your life. As you act on these pursuits, I promise you, the ability to move forward on the covenant path with increased momentum, despite whatever obstacles you face. And I promise you greater strength to resist temptation, more peace of mind, freedom from fear, and greater unity in your families. And I say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.